0: Good morning, Grace Place family, both on campus and online. We're so glad you're able to join us. Uh, we had a fantastic week, Michelle and I, our family. Uh, we welcomed on uh, June the 1st, uh, grandbaby number four. And there we go. How about that Ripley Lane Kirkpatrick? She is beautiful. Uh, Zach and Lauren, uh, who live in Waxahachie, Texas, and and uh, so Lauren did it the old-fashioned way, you know, and uh, the labor and no help from, uh, you know, the, the dr- special drugs and things that, uh, and, and we were kind of cautioning her along the way <laughs> that, oh, I don't know if you want to do this, and, uh, but Lauren is, is uh, a mighty force, <laughs> and uh, she, I told her, I said, if there's an apocalypse, you're leading the way, you know, she's Sarah Connor. You know, like just uh, machine gun in one hand and you know baby in the other, and um, she was she was so tough and so strong, and and it was such a joy to uh, be a part of it. We we arrived uh, there uh, shortly after the baby had been born, and so we were able to see uh, both mommies, Lauren, setting up eating spaghetti, and I'm like, <laughs> what's the deal here? <laughs> and. Uh, the baby was so, so sweet, and uh, we just really enjoyed our time with them. We miss her, uh, not getting to see her every day like we do. A lot of our grandbabies get to see them at least a few times a week. And uh, so, but we, we're going to get a chance to uh, see her a little bit uh, this next week because we have a conference in that area. So we'll get a chance to say hello. But uh, we're grateful, we're glad, we appreciate all your prayers, and uh, those of you who are a part of the church family here and know uh, what Zach and, and Lauren have been going through, know that this is a real miracle. It's, it's a tremendous miracle that there was uh, every reason uh, medically that this should never have happened, but we serve a God who uh, does miracles, and uh, so we are rejoicing and and they are a happy couple. Jack uh, describes the baby as perfect. She's perfect. <laughs> and uh, her, his mom said, Well, you know, it's, it's okay because, you know, three, three or six months, you know, they may not always be as perfect. Oh, no, no. He says, I'll prove to you. You watch. You come back in six months, and this baby's still perfect. <laughs> and uh, she is perfect. We love her. So we're grateful you're here. For those of you who are online, thank you for joining us today. We're beginning a, a mini-series on Exodus uh, that will take us through um, Father's Day. And then I'm excited about the summer series because I'm going to have some help. And uh, we are going to be doing some of the parables uh, out of the New Testament. and It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm taking a few that are a little more challenging. And I'll be teaching on those. And we have, again, we'll have some help of people coming in. And uh, give you a little bit, those of you who like uh, planning way ahead, uh, we are, God is speaking to pastors. Uh, I had a, uh, and it, you know, it's, it's interesting when God is, is speaking to us and it's the same voice, it's, it's him saying uh, similar things to, to do and to ways to lead. And a pastor called me uh, just this past week, a friend of mine who pastors up in, in uh, North Austin area. And uh, I I had never talked to him about what I felt God was challenging uh, me to do, uh, to lead us into when we get ready to go uh, to uh, what we do every fall, which is God Talks, and and how God was uh, speaking to me about that. And I'm sitting here listening to him, and I'm like, he's doing the same thing, he's copying me. (laughs) And as I'm listening to him, you know, unfold what God has been saying and what they're doing. It's just I'm just like this is incredible. It's really awesome. It's like a confirmation to me about what God is saying to us. Coming for uh, God talks, so we're going to kick off God talks this year with it with a convocation. Uh, it actually is going to begin before the convocation. We're going to call you into a a seven day uh, fast with us. Uh, we want to break the fast on a Sunday. We'll come here and have breakfast together and and break fast uh, together. And then um, we, are, we are kicking this off with a, with a convocation uh, that will go a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I will uh, be speaking, but we have a guest speaker, uh, two guest speakers as well that we'll be sharing uh, during that time. And uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because uh, I'm excited about that. But we also have our Kids Crusade that ends the summer and my challenge to all of us uh, as a church family, this is a little pastoral time, and sorry online uh, if, if this is not as relevant for those who are watching online, but for you on campus here, I really want to challenge you to get in the habit of attending everything that's going on. I believe God has some, some unique things that he's doing right now, and we had a dedication service here not long ago, right? Remember? How many of you remember the, the baby dedication serve as child dedication because some of them were not exactly babies we just had it a few weeks ago right and we had a part as a church right as well as the family and we said these dedications are, are really not for the kids they're not going to remember them right they're going to grow up and go you did what to me <laughs> at what point you know well oh, I see that picture what was that all about uh, we're the ones that remember and remember our part as a church was we said these are our kids even though we're not their parents and we're not aunts and uncles and stuff, these, these are the family of God. They're our kids, and we want to support them. So I want to encourage you when we have things like the Kid's Crusade, come, be here. So I don't have any kids, I don't have any grandkids that are there. Come and support the kids who are here. Pray with them, encourage them. We want this place packed out whenever we have gatherings uh, going forward. And, and that's going to help us prepare too for the convocation, right? Because I don't want to invite a guest speaker and four of us are here, right? I want this place filled up because we're turning our hearts to God and we're going to see God do some mighty things this fall um, through God talks, all right? Say, okay, we hear you. All right. <laughs> so let's kick off our mini series in Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter three, if you want to turn there, is where we're going to be reading from beginning at uh, verse one exodus chapter 3 verse 1. one of my favorite stories in scripture please yes stand for the reading of god's word is uh it also is uh certainly the call narrative for um you know for moses and uh it is uh there are so many takeaways for us you know uh, people are often saying i don't know what god's called me to do and and uh as we look at this and remember what Moses was doing and how God was shaping him in Midian uh, during this season as he was a shepherd and preparing him on how to lead. We recognize one of the takeaways for us in, in understanding the call of God in our life is that whatever God's called you to do, he's already put it in your hands. God, first question God asked Moses, you know, uh, this is beyond what we're going to cover today. But he says, what's in your hand? You know, I have a a staff. I'm a a leader of sheep. And so when you're thinking about the call of God on your life, think about what God has already placed in your life that that makes you unique, that God has developed there that's ready to be used for for his kingdom. All right, so we're beginning at verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest in Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, asking, Lord, as we begin this short series on discovering how to exit bondage, how to exit bad behaviors, uh, a life uh, that is destructive, and enter into uh, a new walk, a new relationship with you, and heading towards the promises that you have for our lives, that you would uniquely speak to our hearts about individual issues that you want to deal with, and that we would, Lord, be responsive in the sense of surrendering ourselves to you and inviting you to bring about the changes necessary, that we might walk close with you in every way and obey you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Chapter 3 introduces us to a significant change in the drama of uh, deliverance of God's people from Egypt, from God's providential dealings uh, in the life of the nation Israel. Uh, We move to God's direct intervention through Moses and the miracles that are performed by him. We move from the silence of God for the past 400 years um, with Israel in captivity and bondage in Egypt to God speaking directly to Moses from the bush. And and later on from that same mountain, uh, you may recall in in, uh, several places, but in in Exodus chapter 20, which we'll look at uh, next week, the Ten Commandments that God gave there on that mountain. And after being chased out of Egypt and away from the the Hebrew people, Moses is out shepherding sheep um, uh, for his Midianite uh, father-in-law. And out in the wilderness, Moses stumbles upon the mountain of God known as Mount Horeb, uh, also known as Mount Sinai, uh, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 11. Uh, There at this mountain, Moses encounters uh, an unquenchable burning bush. Fire is, uh, is a common biblical symbol of God's presence. We see it in Genesis 15 and 17. Exodus 14 and 24, um, and 19 and 18, and then Leviticus 10 and 2. And we also see it in, in the New Testament in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 3. You may remember we're celebrating Pentecost today. On the day of Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit came and, and set upon each of them cloven tongues of fire. And I've always found that that a divine interruption, if you will, is... Is what God uses to turn ordinary into extraordinary. Uh, every exodus begins with a divine interruption of some kind. You might remember that God interrupted Abraham uh, in in uh, Genesis and led him to the promise, uh, led him towards the promised land. You're, you're leaving here. You're going where I'm taking you. He interrupted his ordinary life to take him to. Some, through some extraordinary experiences. God interrupted Samuel's ordinary day-to-day to go and anoint a new king for Israel. There was about to be a, a real transformation, and so God interrupted. And God interrupted a, a man by the name of Gideon. There are so many of these throughout Scripture that we can see, but a man by the name of Gideon, who was just sneaking around, finding grain for his family, to you know, the little plots of field because at that time it said in Israel that Israel would grow crops and their enemies would reap those crops. They would ride in in a large band, chase all the workers away and steal the corn and the wheat and everything else that they were growing, whatever they were growing there, um, they would take it away. And so he was just finding this little patch that had a few things left and he was gathering up for his family when God interrupts Gideon. Uh, the angel of the Lord shows up in a mighty way and calls him a mighty man of valor, totally transforming Gideon from from you know sneaking around and and uh, being somebody who was fearful and afraid to being a mighty general and leader uh, of of God's army. And then of course you you might remember New Testament wise that God interrupted grief stricken uh, disciples who were uh, weeping and and worried about uh, Jesus. You know, he's dead now. He's in the tomb, and and uh, Jesus uh, interrupts all of that, right, <laughs> in a powerful way and and launches the church. He says, you must go uh, into Jerusalem and uh, you, you must tarry and wait. The Holy Spirit is coming. I'm going to go. He's coming. He's going to empower you to do a mighty, mighty work. And I want to share this, this series with you primarily because I believe that what is happening right now in our church, in our church, and also in our nation, is, is really a divine interruption. There's, there's something going on. I was, I was talking with this pastor, I've talked with some other pastors, and it's, it's been incredible how God is, is stirring hearts. And I'm meeting people in the marketplace, I'm meeting people that are coming here for the first time. And often their, their, their first statements are, I just felt like that God was directing me here, that, that, that there was some kind of a, a divine interruption, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm supposed to go and join God's family. And we're not the only, uh, you know, local church around, and God's doing a great work in many of them, but there are people that are being compelled, that have been sitting back Um, that have been kind of frozen in their seats, and now they're feeling compelled. There's some kind of divine interruption with everything that's going on in our world that's shaking them up, and they're saying, we got to get this thing right. And so I I really believe God is doing something in our church, in our location, and I'm very, very excited about it. But I want to say this, that how we respond to God's interruptions will lead us either to an exodus of bondage or an increase in bondage. It is, it is up to us, ultimately, how we will respond. So let's walk through the biblical uh, study of what was going on here and, and what happened uh, for Moses. He's, let's begin with the, with the ordinary, if you will. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses had been serving at this point as a shepherd for Jethro, his father-in-law, for about 40 years at this point. And one of the takeaways for us immediately is God is more patient than us. Right? I mean, everyone in this room has set mile markers for your life. And at this age, I want to do this. And at this point, I want to do this. And the next five years, I want to, you know... And, and, you know, we have all realized in our walk with the Lord that God is much more patient than we are, right? Forty years, you know, and uh, that seems like an, an incredibly long time, but it's a blip on the eternal screen and, and God's patient. He didn't save the Israelites immediately, but he waited for the right time and the right person. And God used these 40 years to teach Moses many valuable lessons about leadership and also about himself, about his weaknesses and his strengths. And in chapter 2, he was still, you know, uh, Exodus chapter 2, Moses is still a headstrong man. You know, he, he's easily lost his temper. You you may remember, if you remember the story that, you know, he goes, uh, um, he finds out his people, his real people are the the, the Hebrews that are in captivity. And um, he goes there to see what's going on and he sees a slave beating one of them and he kills, or he sees a master beating one of the slaves and and he kills the master and uh, you know, he's just quick-tempered, acts, you know, rashly. And, uh, you know, and, and now, 40 years later, <laughs> there's a different ordinary for Moses' life. He's, he's not so quick to, to act. He's, he's calm, he's quiet, he's careful in spirit. And uh, he's, he's, he's ready for what God's about to do, the divine interruption. And then it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame uh, of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and, and behold, the bush was burning, and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. An angel of the Lord appearing in the midst of a fire, that's, that'll interrupt your day every time. It's, uh, it's going to, to bring about a change in the ordinary, right? Uh, but it, it, as we take a look at this, it would appear that everything about this fire was in keeping with natural order. The heat, uh, almost everything about this fire, the heat, uh, the color, uh, perhaps even the smoke that was coming from the fire. It just appeared that in many ways it was just as, you know, uh, uh, in the natural order of things. The, the one thing that was not natural about it that caused Moses to kind of say this is extraordinary was that the, the, the fuel for this fire. Natural fire needs uh, fuel to keep burning, and, and uh, the more wood you put on it, the hotter it's going to burn, the more fuel you give to a fire the hotter it's going to burn Uh, the more fuel the the bigger the fire and in, in the case of this this bush should have been the fuel but this bush was not being consumed it remained and that was something that that astonished him the fire was literally being fueled by God himself I think this is more than just a small detail in the story that this fire uh, that uh, that is is actually being fueled by God to capture uh, Moses' attention, God fueling the fire is, is is something that will will get all of our attention. Moses had had likely you know, seen fires in the wilderness, you know, lightning strikes, or maybe in the instance of farmers that were trying to clear land in a particular area so they could do planting later, fires were not something uncommon to him, you know, when uh, it was something that he, he would have seen and would have experienced. And what was uncommon was a fire that doesn't burn, the, the, it has no fuel, uh, like, like he understands the need for fuel. So without me jumping to the application point, I hope you're beginning to connect the dots on what's going on, but if not, we're going to continue. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God instructs Moses to remove his sandals from his feet, and uh, this is a, a gesture of, of ancient practice before entering a holy or a divine place. It's a, it's a gesture that honors the holiness of that particular ground or that mountain uh, and, and, and his God. Removing uh, you know, shoes as a show of reverence is a practice that's still in place for uh, Islam and, and other religions. They remove their shoes before walking into the place. It's a, it's a holy place to them. But in this instance, removing his sandals had a, an interesting second significance. In the light of his, his earlier self declaration in Exodus 2 and 22, Moses said, I have been an alien. He, he, he didn't fit anywhere. You might remember his story of how he got where he was and his mother uh, had prepared a basket. Uh, they were to kill all the male children in Egypt and, uh, and they were uh, fearful. So they hid him as a child, as a little baby, in, in a basket and, and they pushed it among the reeds and it floated there and, and uh, they were going to come and collect it later. But to their surprise, um, one of the, Queens or princesses of of Egypt found uh, this uh, and uh, heard the baby crying, and they rescued the baby, brought it into her home, raised as as an Egyptian, and 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 here's Moses in a crisis uh, because you understand who he is. I've been an alien. He's 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 residing in a foreign land. You know, uh, living where he has no home. And the, and the Hebrews re, had rejected Moses, you know, right after what happened in, Hebrew, in, in Exodus chapter 2. The Hebrews said, we don't want anything to do with you. You're not like us. You got us into more trouble. And, and uh, you know, so they rejected him. And Egypt, of course, uh, rejects him after he kills uh, one of the Egyptians, who was the master over that slave. And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, the Midianites... See Moses as a foreigner. He's, you know, he came from somewhere else. He doesn't belong here. And here is a guy <laughs> uh, living forty years as a homeless person. He has no home. And uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh had is seeking to kill him. Uh, the Midianites that he lives among is, you know, they're like he's not home here. He's a foreigner. This is not his place. He wasn't raised here uh he wasn't born here he's not a part of us we'll let him live here but he has no no future here he has no land here uh whose whose sheep is he tending his his father-in-law's he has he has nothing and 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 there was there was no home for moses moses is, is not fully home in any human community and so the second significance of of god saying to him take off your sandals is a gesture uh, in many traditional cultures that is associated with entering not only a worship space, but also a home. When I first became, a, a, it was working in real estate, it was something that I would notice. I would take, uh, you know, people who were looking for a home to go view a home that they had selected. We would get there and all the shoes were on the front porch. Everybody had taken their shoes off. And you kind of get the message, right? We're supposed to take ours off too, if we're going to go view the home. And, and the reason was, this is our home. Your home here. When you when you when you walk in here, you're home. And God was saying in 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 so many words to, to Moses, like, this is a holy place, but this is also your home. I am your heritage. This is your home. Welcome home. And, and Moses finds his true home, not with humans, but with God, the God of ancestors of his ancestors, the God, it says, of Abraham, of Isaac. And he said, I am, I am the God of, of, uh, of, of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God says to Moses, take off your shoes, your home. And Moses says, here I am, finally. I have no heritage, I have no inheritance in this land, I have no people that call me their people, but I have a God, and I'm home with Him, and He loves me. Forty years of tending sheep, and at this point in life, he's so humbled that he, he doesn't even you know, have a flock of his own sheep to, to call his own. The sheep that he's, he's tending belong to his father-in-law. And, and so I want to take you through some of the applications of what we learned from this, this story. And the first one is that you and I actually own nothing. You and I actually own nothing. The sooner we come to understand that, that we are stewards of everything and owners of nothing, the, the better we live life because we, we don't cling to things that have no eternal value. We understand that we are passing through this life. We are living in homes that will outlive us and that will belong to someone else. We, are, we have money in the bank that, you know, if we were to exit today, would somebody else would take over um, those assets. Uh, we really own nothing. Job described it well when he said, naked I came into this world and naked I'm going to exit. We, we are stewards and of everything that's in our hands. It all belongs to the great Shepherd. And when we get that truth and we, we get it down in us and we understand it, we begin to live our lives differently. We hold loosely and not tightly to things. We enjoy what God has given. We enjoy the life that we have here, the breath of life that we have here. Everything that, is, that, that, that God has provided for us and we understand that it all belongs to Him. So when I walk, I, I lock my truck, you know, and, and I walk across the parking lot and uh, I'm, I'm praying, God, take care of your truck. Keep it from thieves and from people breaking in. <laughs> when I, when we exit our home for a couple of days, we have to go somewhere or something. God, take care of your home. <laughs> that thieves will not break in. That's your place there. And people are going to say stuff about you. You know, and your house if people break in. So <laughs> take care of it. God, watch over, you, you know, I, when I was, you know, young and I had cars that barely worked, God, watch over your car. Don't let it break down on the freeway. <laughs> what will people think if your car is broken down on the freeway? <laughs> One of the second takeaways we have, it says, uh, I will turn aside to see. Moses uh, is saying, you know, when he sees this, this bush and the, the thing that's drawing his attention is the, the fuel is God there's it's not being fueled by this bush it's it's burning and the bush is fine and he says i'll t- i'll turn aside to see the second takeaway we have in terms of application for us is that we see what has our attention we see what has our attention several years ago i was uh, having lunch in in a restaurant it was uh, during a, a break from class and there was a, it was a very deep subject matter that had been discussed there, and so the table was, was all filled with students, and, and they were just captured by what we had been talking about, and they got so deep in it. And I know you've been there before. You've been talking about something that you're just unaware of what's going on in your environment, right? And you just—they were just, boy, they were really hashing this thing out and talking, you know, no raised voices, but just really everybody was giving their opinion and on, you know, this is a deep subject, and, and that was so powerful and that was incredible. And and here's what I think, and and on and on, this stuff was going on. And in the process of that, not far away, maybe two or three tables away, is a, a young uh, waiter who's probably first time doing this, uh, gathers a huge table of dishes uh, on on this. Uh, platter and lifts them up to take them to the kitchen and loses balance and they all come crashing down sound like a bomb going off right it was just incredible explosion and and what what got me to you know what caught me more than than what happened there was the fact that three or four people sitting at our table were clueless they kept talking yeah, and then and then he said this and and I was like you did not hear that <laughs> you did not just hear this great explosion and, and the, the lesson I took away from that is that we see what has our attention. And when, when they were so deep into what they were talking about, they didn't see or hear what was going on around them. And, and, and that can happen to us that you and I can be so focused on things that are going on and, and, uh, and, and so into uh, something that's happening in, in our culture and, and that we miss what God is doing. We miss what God is saying. We miss what God wants uh, to speak into our hearts and lives. And that's part of this, this divine interruption is God saying, stop, stop, stop with your, your, your ordinary days and carrying on like you have been in the past. Nothing has changed. Nothing is transformed by the result of your deep thinking and ideas and philosophy of life. Look at me. I'm the one that can bring about change. And I'm the one that wants to speak something into your life that's going to be transformational. We see what has our attention. The third thing, when when it says when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, he he called to Moses out of the bush. Moses, Moses. A the question then comes up: When does God give direction to your life? When? And 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 of course the answer is when he, when he sees he has your full attention. You know when when your attention is on him, God speaks to those who stand in His presence and are attentive. To his counsel. God speaks to those who who stand in his presence and are attentive to his counsel. Every year in God talks, with the emphasis being on listening to God and hearing the voice of God, I will have people say, Well, how do I hear from God? And as we kind of walk through their day, you see that there are no opportunities for them to hear from God. When is your Bible study? My Bible study, it reminds me of a, a neighbor of mine. We were having trouble growing tomatoes. And uh, he's having great success. And I mean, really great success. And so I went over and asked him, what are you doing? You know, how do you grow such great tomatoes? And he goes, well, what are you feeding them? And I said, ah. <laughs> Um, what are you feeding your tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> was the only way I could get out of that one because I was starving mine to death, right? <laughs> And it was amazing when I started feeding them how they started growing, you know. And it will happen in you when you start feeding you, you're going to start growing. A warning from the prophet Jeremiah brings clarity to to this truth that we're trying to share. He says uh, out of Jeremiah 23, verses 16 through 18. Do not listen to what the prophets or prophesying talk about false prophets to you. They fill you with false hopes. Uh, they speak visions of their own minds, uh, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, "You will have peace." And, and to all who are uh, follow stubbornness of their hearts, they say, "No harm will come to you." But which of them has stood? in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear His word. Who listened, who has listened and heard the word? Who has listened and heard the word? And the point is that God needs to get our attention, but He also needs us to stand in His counsel and His presence and be ready to obey and to follow His commands. God is, is first of all, speaking to Moses in, in a, in, and telling him that you actually own nothing. I'm giving you a home in me, yeah, and you will inherit uh, eternal life. You're going to get everything that you need to survive and, and to take care of your family and to have a future through me. And you're going to see others blessed as you do the work that I've called you to do, just like the promise that God gave Abraham. I'm going to bless you. But through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. You're going to be the channel for which I'm going to do great things. Secondly, he's saying to him, I need your, your attention. Your attention over here. Focus on, on me. Look at me. Don't let the things in the world crowd out what I'm trying to do. And then he's saying to him, stand in my counsel. Be transformed by the presence, my presence and, and do what I'm asking you to do. March forward in obedience, and you're going to see radical change. What we're talking about, especially at the end of this, is living present in the presence of God. And it's something you can control. Living present in the presence of God. You cannot save yourself from sin. You cannot save someone else from their sin. You cannot defeat the enemy. We just came through this series in Ephesians. You know well that we can't defeat the enemy by the power of our intellect or our strength or our might or our cunningness or whatever, that we need God's Spirit to do it. But here's something you can control. You can control living present in the presence of God. Not just showing up, but engaging. I love what I heard behind me, I wasn't looking at all of you, but what I heard behind me in terms of worship today, and, you know, the, uh, I did see out of the corner of my eyes, hands up, people engaging in the practice of worship and loving on Jesus. They're not just here as a duty or a function or a ritual. They are living present in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. And it makes all of the difference. And it's what you can control. And Moses is walking around shepherding. And, and he, he's in the ordinary. And an extraordinary thing happens. He could have chose to just keep walking and keep living in the ordinary. But he, he, he decided to live present. Amen. In the presence of the Lord. And I, I'd ask Austin to help me uh, with that, that opening video. Because I, I thought it's, it's, it's not much to it. But it's, it's a great picture. Moses, like, setting everything else aside. He forgot that, he was a, that there were sheep. He forgot everything. He just kneels down. And I'm just going to hear from the Lord. I'm just going to be in the presence of the Lord. And the beautiful thing that God was doing there is saying, you know, you don't have a, a place in Egypt. You don't have a place with, with, the, with the Hebrews. You don't have a place with the Midianites. You, you have a place with me. Yeah. <laughs> You're at home with me. And invite the worship team to come back. You can make a decision to be present in God's presence. Moses gave God his full attention, not his partial attention. I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to leave the ordinary. Enter into the extraordinary. I'm going to give God my full attention. And it is the first step of your exodus out of bondage is to give God your full attention. I was talking to a young man um, here. Uh, this past week and uh, you know it it, trying to get an opportunity to share uh, faith with him I I felt like there was a divine moment that was taking place and someone else also was sharing with him the battle that was raging was um, you know what uh, what I am right now who I am and all the things I've accomplished and Almost kind of in, in a way a little narcissistic, you know. Um, but, you know, a, and, and an accomplished person, a person who, who has done some things in, in a particular arena. Uh, but, you know, uh, unable to see a need, I guess is the best way to say it. A, a need yet. And uh, my heart is, is breaking for people like that because they're, they're going to come uh, to these crises. The loss of somebody... Uh, they love, uh, uh, illness, uh, loss of a job, you know, uh, somebody saying, you know, you you think you're great at this, but there are 50,000 other people that are greater, and we don't need you, Uh, whatever it is that that happens in this crisis that that takes place, and we, we have to come to a place that we're like, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you every hour, I need you we have to be in that place constantly in the sense of our, our humility before the Lord. Is like, I cannot do what I need to do today without you, and I don't want to exit this, this home. Uh, I don't want to exit my car. I don't want to exit the workplace without you, Lord, being there. Without every moment, you're with me because I desperately need you. And it was that encounter for Moses in that moment. Where he's like, That's, this is what I need. This is what I've wanted. This is what I've longed for. I thought I could could get a title in Egypt. I thought, I thought I could get, you know, become the hero among my people. I thought I might earn my way with the Midianites and maybe at some point I would get a little land and a few sheep and some goats and I'll just start humbly and I'll build something great from that. But all of that didn't work out, God, but I'm at home with you, just finding my place with you. Would you stand as we take a moment to focus on getting at home with God, receiving the welcome home and embracing Him and saying, God, I want to just live present in this moment as Your presence is here to touch my heart and my life. You just lift your hands with me and let's worship Him together. Father, we come to You. We want to live present in this moment, present with You, and we invite you to bring change and transformation our hearts and lives. We want to exit all bondage. And we want to walk in freedom. But the first thing is, you need our full attention. And we recognize we need you. Desperately, we need you. We cannot survive without you, God. So we open our hearts and our lives to you. Let's worship him together in song.